the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The gospel, friend, is the cure. It's the good news that takes a person who is lost on the road of life, and it sets that person free for the rest of their life. When you're lost, freedom means being found. The gospel is God's way of finding you. That's Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Keep this telephone number in mind throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time. Once again, that phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. On today's Reaching Your Heart, Pastor Michael Oxentenko will bring you the first portion of the Captivity Cure. That's the Captivity Cure, and don't forget that you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here now is Pastor Mike. South Korea has the second highest suicide rate for people in the world. South Korea is a hyper-competitive society with huge pressure that is placed on people to achieve and get ahead. Academically, the ones I've known, they push ahead. They're with it. But with it, there are some challenges. A lot of pressure is felt in the school system of South Korea. So teachers are taking it upon themselves to solve the problem of young students who feel trapped by stress because a lot of these kids are moving into places where they take their lives and are concerned about it. It's the captivity problem that has plunged their culture into a state of crisis. The problem of feeling like you're trapped by a life that is so hard to live, you just can't make ends meet. You ever felt that way? I have. You're working and it just isn't flying. Trapped by expectations that are so huge. Your parents' expectations, the school's expectations. You just can't measure up to them all. So here is the captivity cure that teachers in South Korea have come up with that works better than doing nothing. It's a direct intervention to save their kids from suicide. They have created bizarre death schools that provide fake funerals so that young students can experience what it's like to die so they'll appreciate what it's like to live. It's really stunning. In these bizarre death schools, and that's what they're called, I didn't come up with the name, students are placed in their coffins besides their school desk and then sealed in their coffin by their teacher who enters as the Korean angel of death. Pictures are taken like those at a funeral. The students are made to sign fake wills. They are told to close their eyes and pose for their fake funeral portrait inside their coffin. And after they return to their desk and they write a farewell letter to their families telling them how much they'll miss them, other things transpire. They are then instructed to meditate on death and to contemplate how much their death will affect everyone else in their life. They are forced to consider the practical ramifications of their suicide and the lives of others. In other words, to count the cost. At this point, the candles in the room are lit. Then the hour of death comes and the Korean angel of death dressed in white, enters the room at the bizarre death school, and she announces that it's now time to go to the other side. I mean, this is getting creepy. This is like Halloween stuff, right? Well, we don't celebrate Halloween around here. 
At that point, the students lay down inside their coffins before the angel of death closes the lid over their heads. Now, to make it feel real, they are left inside the coffin for 10 minutes and they can't get out. It's not exactly a school nap or a normal kind of rest. It's a little scary. And when they're done, the lid opens and the kids are glad to get out. Now, this would be a great motivation to stay alive. That's what the thinking here is. The school administrator believes that when they get out, they are refreshed and they are renewed with a new optimism for life. He says, because of this experience, they have a new sense of meaning of life. Those are his words. So at this point, they are spoken to directly by the angel of death who announces the significance of the experience for the class. Here's what she says. She says, you have now seen what death feels like. You are alive. And you must fight. Interesting. You know, this is a really bizarre attempt to take Ebenezer Scrooge and George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life and incorporate it into a Korean culture. Isn't that what it sounds like here? You're kind of like, well, if I wasn't alive, this would happen and so on. And they consider this a vital intervention, the captivity cure that prevents a generation from coming to an untimely end. Now, friend, I can say with confidence this morning that Christ Jesus is the captivity cure. That there is no gimmick, there's no kind of psychological conditioning, there's no kind of teaching intervention that can give hope to a heart that needs hope in the real kind of way unless it comes to the person of Jesus. And so Christ, for me, I can speak from my own experience, is no gimmick or trick. He is the captivity cure. My favorite verse in the Gospel of John is John 10, verse 10. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Then what does he say next? I came that what? That they might have life and have it abundantly. It's a spiritual principle that God's grace brings God's freedom into your life. You say, preacher, I don't need to be free. I am free. Yet the Bible says that we are all captives to ourselves and to sin. Thucydides, the great Greek historian, once said, the secret of happiness is freedom, and the secret of freedom is courage. He was wrong. The secret of freedom is God's grace. No one has had enough courage to be free because no one can free himself or herself from the power of death. Friend, it is the grace of God that has set us free to live. God's grace. Christ is in the liberation business. And some people think, well, Christ came to just do a lot of teaching, to tell us what to do and so on. Well, he does have teaching instruction in his ministry plan for us. But you know what? The bottom line is Jesus Christ came to this world to save you and to set you and your family free. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life, but not just empty living, not just existence, that they might have life and have it abundantly. When all your efforts fail, when all your plans collapse... When all your resolutions are like ropes of sand that slip through your fingers out of your hand, when every dream fails, when every friend forsakes, and every effort you make matters not, it seems. At the end of that kind of road that's going nowhere, friend, grace is the face that meets you, and grace greets you with a smile at the right moment, and grace from God sets the captive free. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' ministry begins immediately after his defeat of the devil. He moves into Judea. He moves into the synagogues. He moves back to Nazareth to directly access those places of religion that need God's grace. Luke 4, verse 5. The devil took him up, 
showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. In the Greek, in a stigma, a prick of time. Now, I don't know how he did that, but evidently the devil can warp space-time or something like that, can produce a time dilation effect. Nonetheless, Christ was there being tempted by this extraterrestrial monster in the wilderness. And he said to him in verse 6, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will, if you then will do what? What does the text say? If you will worship me, it shall what? It shall be yours. I mean, the devil, really, that's what he wants from your life. He wants you to compromise to the degree that you worship him and his kingdom. And here he is entreating Christ to do that. His kingdom, friend, is the kingdom of the world, according to this text and the book of Revelation as well. He says, the world has been given to me. The kingdom has been given to me, the entire world kingdom. And I'll give it to whoever I want to. If you want to be the king of this world, worship me. And there's no cross for you. Christ said, no way. You see, the devil's subjects live in slavery to him. But the paradox is that he, in fact, is a slave to sin itself. He is not a free king. He is in bondage just as much as his subjects are. The devil offered Jesus the kingdom of the world if he would worship him. And yet there is no freedom in his kind of game. The same call comes to us today on the eve of the advent of Jesus Christ. Bow down at the box office and worship me, he calls. Kneel before that home entertainment system, before the God of this world. Worship the money in your bank account. Measure your life by how much stuff you have or you want to have or how fat your IRA is or your retirement plan. Praise the people with degrees and bow down to the powerful and proud to get ahead. Worship the divas, the dancers, the demons of the modern music industry. Friends, Satan has a kingdom. And he wants you to be under the control of that kingdom. And there is no freedom in his kingdom. Satan's kingdom is the empire of the lost. And is full of captives who don't know how to get out of the coffin that traps them inside. Friend, Christ came into this world for one solid purpose. He came to attack the kingdom of Satan. To unchain those that are in it. And to set them free. That's why he came. Christ came with magnetic grace. Now, what's magnetic grace? Magnetic grace is the grace of God in the face of Christ that draws us to God. We cannot come to God on our own. We don't have the power, the virtue, the intellect, and even the heart to turn to God. The magnetic grace of God has been given to us in Jesus. So when Christ defeated the devil in the wilderness, he left the wilderness for the place he grew up in. Now, why did he go there? He went back to Nazareth. Because Nazareth was his home. He wanted to win his home for Jesus Christ. So we have a lesson here. Friend, if you live in a neighborhood and you have no strategy to win your neighbors to Christ and bring them to church, then you're not doing any good in your neighborhood. God has placed you where you live to be salt in your community, to affect your friends so that they can come to know Jesus Christ. Do you realize that? You with me? I mean, you're not in church so you can just come and feel religious and move through life and get it over with. You're in church to be an extension of the grace of God to win others to God. I mean, you're not called to ordinary existence. You're called to a super ordinary calling, to a magnificent calling in Christ. And so if in your mind you're thinking that way, you need to be unshackled from the chains of the devil. Because when you're unshackled, you're not living for yourself. You're living for the positive Christian witness that you can give to save others. 
And so Christ went to his hometown to win his hometown to God. Luke 4.16, he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And when he went into the synagogue, as his custom was. Now, what does the text say? Now, if Christ's custom was to go to church on the Sabbath day, wouldn't you like to follow Jesus and be consistent too? Now, come on. Amen? Do you think Christ got to church late on Sabbath? What? Have you come to church late on Sabbath? I got a call this morning from a church member. It was a legitimate call. Because I need to make a visit this afternoon. I got here at 9.10 late because of that call. How many of you were not here at 9.10? Raise your hand. Come on. Oh, my goodness. Now, look, I'm being friendly with you here. Christ, it was his custom to get to church. He got up. If he had kids and he didn't have kids, he would have said, you know, wake up. Maybe his brothers and sisters, he had to wake up after Joseph died. Let's go to the synagogue. Let's get there on time. We got Sabbath school at the synagogue. Now, Christ here is reading in the synagogue because he's a teacher and effective witness for God. And you see, dear heart, Christ's ministry was not based on some sudden surge of energy. It was based on the consistent life that had developed Christian religious character that was prepared for ministry. So I exhort you to be to church on time. You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget, at the end of today's broadcast, we have a special book for you. We'd love to be able to give that to you. So stay tuned to find out more about that at the close of today's Reaching Your Heart. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. He stood up to read, and there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened the book, and he found the place where it was written. And notice what he's not doing. He's not here just talking about his feelings. He's not here just going into some existential reason for existence, some postmodern reality that's necessary for spiritual life without the Bible which is what a lot of churches are doing today. He did something that we have to do. He opened the Bible. Now, we can open the Bible at Sabbath school at 10 o'clock when we're studying here in our small group sessions. How many of you are in small group sessions outside of the worship hour? Raise your hand. Huge. Prayer meeting, Monday night, Thursday night, Tuesday night. I'm in three sessions a week. But others are occurring on Friday. I know I've listened. We need the Bible to grow as Christians. We cannot grow without the Word of God. Feelings will not develop our character. The Word of God will. And so Christ here had it right on. He read from the Scriptures. And he opened the book and he found the place where it was written. Now Jesus chooses his verses carefully this Sabbath day. Because in the Gospel of Luke, it's the day he starts his ministry. Of all the places in the Old Testament, Jesus opened the Scripture to Isaiah 61 verse 1. Now, it's restated in Luke 4.18 in the verses that follow, verse 19, so that we can have a sense of it. We're not going to turn to Isaiah, but let's turn to Luke 4.18 and look at the passage here. Christ read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, is that a negative message or a positive message? 
Christ was about positive changes in men and women's lives. Christ received the Holy Spirit before he was tempted by the devil. And then he was tempted by the devil. And it's a rule that your ministry cannot start in life until you've been through a testing time whereby your character is established enough so that God can trust you with great opportunities in your life. And so these little things that we're called to do in church are tests so we can develop character to make a difference in God's plan. Christ was tempted and tested in the wilderness. My favorite theologian put it this way, Steps to Christ, page 443. The warfare against self is what? It's not a battle, it's the greatest battle that was ever fought. That's right. The warfare against self. The warfare against self is the greatest battle ever fought. She says the yielding of self, surrendering what? All to the will of God requires what? A struggle. But the soul must submit to God before it can be renewed in holiness. I have felt that struggle in my life. I have been tempted by selfishness in my life. And I have to pray hard about it. Are you there? I'm tempted not to put the church first in my thinking. To not care about the church and my finances. That's a temptation because I got everything yanking at me just like it is at you. And friend, I have found in my life when I get on my knees and I tell God that I'm a sinner and I want to be obedient and I humble up and I surrender and I take the faith actions to do what isn't comfortable to do. That's when God's blessings come back to me. And those blessings are real and at times material. Things happen that I did not expect And I'm more efficient in the handling of my monies and means when I am doing what God wants me to do. But it's hard to do this. It's very difficult to give of ourselves for the sake of God and the church. Christ was not a sinner, but as our example, Jesus surrendered his life unto death for the glory and the will of God. The person who is free is free to live and free to face fear down if they really know that God is the one who is with them. So if you have Christ with you, if the Holy Spirit is with you, you really have nothing to be afraid of in life. You don't have to worry about whether or not you have $100 or $100,000 in your bank account. Are you with me? And the person who has $100,000 in the bank account worries a lot more than the person who has $100 in their bank account because he's worrying about them keeping it all. Right? Now, it's hard to withdraw money from banks. Have you noticed this? Because banks want to keep money in the bank. So you can worry a lot more about more than little sometimes. Christ said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me. Grace is not an idea, friend. Grace is the ambassador who sets the captives free. God does not give us the Holy Spirit so we can preach to ourselves and make no difference in our community. God does not give the Holy Spirit to us so we can celebrate the fact that we have received the truth. He gives it to us so we can be sent to affect others for the cause of Christ. You are not a legitimate Christian if you're only thinking of your needs being met in the church. You are, in fact, a lost Christian, if that's the case. The evidence that you are saved is when you are living for others, when the selfless motive of service motivates you in the heart. Christ said, He has sent me to preach good news to the poor. The Hebrew word behind the Greek word for poor is the Hebrew word for humility. It can be translated afflicted or affliction. Christ cannot save the proud heart unless God humbles the proud heart. He cannot save the self-sufficient self 
unless self is humbled and crucified and afflicted and given up before him. He cannot give you his riches unless you know that you are poor and in need of them. The gospel is not for the rich who think they need nothing. The gospel is for the poor in spirit who know they need everything. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the what? The poor. Blessed are the meek. And he could just as easily have said, blessed are the weak too. Grace comes to those who need and who seek the captivity cure in Jesus. The word gospel in the Greek, as many of you know, simply means the good news. Friend, God didn't send Jesus to this planet to give us bad news. Christ didn't go to church the day he started his ministry to proclaim a mournful era of more do's and don'ts that makes religion dead and the soul rotten deep within. That is not what the truth is about. Friend, Christ came with what? Good news. Not bad news, good news. Good news that is great news. Good news that is God's grace that meets our need. As we look into the face of Jesus Christ, we see the face of God. The gospel, friend, is the cure. It's the good news that takes a person who is lost on the road of life and it sets that person free for the rest of their life. When you're lost, freedom means being found. The gospel is God's way of finding you. In Galatians 5.1, the Apostle Paul wrote this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I can't stand religion that tries to make me a slave to do's and don'ts instead of freeing me to live for Christ with love. What about you? I want the motives of my heart to be right with God. I don't want to live because I've got a brow-beaten perspective from the deity that somehow motivates me to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing because of the cross of Christ, because of the love of God in Christ. And so God sets us free to worship Him, to know Him by the gospel. The Holy Spirit, friends, sent Jesus to the synagogue of Nazareth to set the captives free. He sent him to the church to set the people in the church free. In Luke 4.18, Jesus said, He sent me to proclaim release to the captives. The Hebrew behind the Greek translation says, He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. The word for liberty in Isaiah 61.1, which is the basis of the Greek translation, that word is doror in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word doror is used... In Exodus 23, 30, to describe liquid myrrh. Why? Because liquid myrrh is a free-flowing substance. Freedom is something that flows freely. In Leviticus 25, 10, it's used to describe the liberty of the year of Jubilee when the captives are set free and they return to the land of their ancestors. It was the freedom that forced the freed slaves and the sent them home that allowed them to go home to their family and friends. It was freedom that came after a long wait in which they finally were released. It came when freedom is sweet and the time is right to be set free. Paul says, for freedom... Christ has set us free. So what is the purpose of the gospel? It is to give us real freedom in our life. The good news is for the poor and the captives. The good news is God's grace that sets the soul free. Now this Hebrew word deror is used in Psalms 84.3. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at thy altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Now where is the word there? The word freedom. It's the word swallow. The word for that bird swallows to roar, and it means freedom, as we have learned. You see, when you have God's grace, when the gospel has set you free, when forgiveness impacts your life where it ought to impact your life, you are free as a bird to fly. 
Hope is the thing with wings that makes the soul to fly. For freedom, Christ has set us free. The word for swallow, as I said, is freedom. His freedom, friend, is the kind of freedom that will help you fly from here to glory. In the gospel, God does not manipulate his children to make them free. That's why God cannot use force to motivate you to be free. The good news is the truth, and the truth is the only weapon God has against evil. The truth about God, the truth that comes from God, the truth that is the apostolic gospel, that Christ died for your sins because God loves you, and that Christ was raised for your acceptance because God loves you. That grace, that love that is objectively real, that meets your legal need in the judgment day, it meets your personal need with God today, is a right now righteousness that will get you from here to the future. It sets the soul free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, he has set us free. In Luke 4.18, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit sent him for the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You see, blindness is a form of captivity. When you're blind, when you cannot see that God has set you free, then you are still bound by the chains that have held you. For God to set the captives free, the truth must remove their blindness, and they must see who God is in the face of Christ on Calvary's cross. It's blindness that holds many a believer today in a form of captivity, whereby they do not live for God for the right reasons. They live for the wrong reasons. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. And if you do call right now for a donation of any size, Pastor Mike would like to give you a book entitled Satisfied, How God Can Meet your deepest needs. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's reachingyourheart.com. If you do have the means to bless us with a little larger gift of $500 to $1,000, it would particularly help us right now to continue to bring you these messages on this station. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.